0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: And we begin with the Dallas Cowboys and the Clapper. (laughs) Yeah, they won. And credit to them for beating the Rams, Mike, but we have toss gate? I don't know if that's going to work necessarily, but what the hell happened with the coin toss in this game? I
2: have no idea. I mean, Schefter reported that they said that we'll kick and that Walt Anderson, I, I don't know if he needed a hearing aid or what, thought that meant that they wanted to kick off but somehow, you know, Fox had it recorded, and I was like, I was like, "You're paying seven million bucks." I, I I jumped the gun here. You're paying seven million bucks for a head coach who can't even get the coin toss right. You know, it's like, okay, apologies to the clapper. And then at halftime, I'm like, "Oh my god, Dallas got the ball to start the half. They obviously must have fixed it." We do have the ability to ease into conversations without being Jagger Hoover. You know, I mean, we can do this, right? So I, I guess they got it straightened out. And and what a day for the class. I mean, look, I, all I can say was I thought it was a really good matchup for the Cowboys. I thought going into the weekend, we talked about it on Thursday. It was a good matchup. Nobody listened. Nobody cared. You know, everybody was betting money on. I mean, they moved that line. The Cowboys were three-point favorites, and they moved it to the Rams' direction. All because the Rams, you know, played so good against Seattle, which they typically do. You know, it's like you people are losing sight of.
1: Sometimes these teams are beating up on shitty teams, and you're you're thinking it's really good. Yeah, and, yeah. And for the Cowboys, it was like, I mean, listen, very confusing there. The referee Walt Anderson looks at like the Cowboys at a kickoff twice. But bottom line is this: offense. We know, Mike, when they're rolling, they're high octane. And when you're putting up 44 points against the Rams, I mean, there's little question the fact that. Yeah, you with know, the Cowboys in purely in terms of talent, do they have the talent? Of course they do. It's just a matter of when they're actually making plays and utilizing that talent properly. And Ezekiel Elliott, it sounds simplistic, Mike, but finally the guy had a hundred or more rushing yards first time in his last six games. That five-game drought was his longest in a season since he was at Ohio State. Just give me the damn ball. Like how hard is it to give him the ball? And then Tony Pollard comes in, and, and you
2: know he's got twelve carries for buck thirty-one. I mean, look, I always, I thought this game was about. Players, not plays, and whenever the game can be about players, not plays, that's why the Eagle game is a good matchup for the Cowboys because the Eagles are not about their scheme; they're about their scheme and their players. They're not complicated by that. I mean, they're not going to change what they do. You know, you're going to win. You to beat the Eagles, you got to beat their players, and this is when the Cowboys are at their best when it can be just player versus player because they got good players. There's no denying it; they have good players, and you know they're shitty in the kicking game. They do all the things that bad teams do to get themselves beat, which is why they're a five hundred team, because their their record should be way better than what it is. I mean, if Belichick were coaching this team, you know, they might be thirteen and one.
1: Right. And before we talk about that Cowboys Eagles matchup as Philadelphia is able to beat Washington, just a thought on the Rams. They fall to eight and six, now gonna be hard pressed to make the playoffs. Jared Goff's INT in the second quarter, his twentieth giveaway this season, he had seventeen a season ago. You know, I I just wish people would stop falling for
2: the traps. Quit taking the cheese on Goff. You know, it's like people talk about this guy, and then when he plays really good against a bad defense, people are like, see, I told you he was a good player. I mean, there's one guy from ESPN. All he does is talk about, you know, I told you Goff was good when he has a good game. We're all the Goff critics now. Like, Goff is a good player when he has time. That's the reality. If he can if he knows he's protected, but once you punch him in the mouth, once you hit him, once you rough him up a little bit, all of a sudden the game has to go a little faster. It ain't Goff's game now. Now that now Goff ain't staying in there and playing it. And Sean McVay knows this. He knows this. We've talked at length at nauseum about this. And whenever Gurley's only carrying the ball 11 times for 1.8 yards a carry and they can't get a run game going because they fall behind, this is who the Rams are. You know, they paid all this money for him. This is what they got. They don't have a guy who's going to be able to play all different ways. He's got to play his style and and sometimes his style. He's not a great player. Let's just put that out there. He's not. He's just not a great player. He's an opportunistic player. You play Detroit, he'll be great. You play Detroit, he'll be great. You play Seattle, no pass rush, he'll be great. Right? Right? The scheme will make them be great. But you play somebody who punches them in the mouth and hits them early and has some pressure, Michael Bennett, Lawrence, all those guys coming from different – Robert Quinn coming. Robert Quinn knew it. That's the one thing about teams. The players, you can't bullshit the players. Like, Robert Quinn was lined up across him. He knew golf. He knew if I hit this guy early, he's going to fold. He knew it. We all know it. Like, just just admit it. It's okay. Like, it's going to be okay. We just admit it. We have to do it. Like, no player's perfect. We'll just work around it, right? But don't tell me he's great when there's clearly,
1: clearly things that he can't do. And say this for the Rams defense, Mike. They're the all-reputation team. Between Clay Matthews and Dante Fowler and Eric Weddle and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, you got star power all over the place, and you give up 44 to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, whenever they play a good team, they
2: struggle. Sure, they can beat the shit out of Arizona. That do- You know, that doesn't matter. I think people get too caught up in it. It's like... I knew Jameis Winston was going to have an unbelievable day against a shitty, slow, predictable defense. I knew MVP Mitch was luring people to sleep the last two weeks because he's played against shitty defenses, right? The Cowboys had no urgency in that game. They played a very vanilla coverage. You know, if they would have played today, Chicago, the way they rushed the passer, MVP Mitch wouldn't have had that week. That's the reality. And and I think what people mistake is it's not all or nothing, Right. Every player has a deficiency, right? And you have to understand what that deficiency is. You've got to define it, and then you've got to see how the matchup comes in each week. When Golf plays against nobody who can rush, Arizona, bet the house, he's going to be great. When he plays against somebody who's going to get after him, Baltimore, you know, the Cowboys at home coming off of three losses, be careful.
1: And be careful with the Eagles because it was looking a little dicey there against the Redskins, but ultimately Miles Sanders surpassing Deshaun Jackson, most scrimmage yards by an Eagles rookie in franchise history. Uh, Carson Wentz playing better, eight passing touchdowns his last three games, and Sanders is the first 100-yard rusher for the Eagles their last 42 games. That was the longest active drought in the NFL. They win at 37-27, Mike. Nigel brought in the big touchdown late, but Wentz is playing better now, and now this sets up this matchup, Dallas and Philadelphia, which I believe you tipped your hand to a minute ago because you said you think it favors Dallas, at least the matchup wise, the winner of this game is going to win the NFC East. Yeah. And
2: they're going to get in and and they could be one and done. I mean, this game against the Redskins, they scored 33 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, going into the fourth, it is basically a 17-14 game, you know, and the Eagles are struggling again against a bad team. They're struggling like hell against a bad team. And and look, the Redskins take a lead late. They go up 27-24 late. They got the lead, you know, and Haskins, you know, he, he didn't play poorly. He made a couple plays. You know, he kind of got it. They ran the ball all right. They ran it effectively. But for the most part, I mean, the Redskins did exactly what they tried to do. They made the game get into the fourth quarter, and then they couldn't. This game is not – they shouldn't have – I mean, I got really lucky to cover this game. I mean, completely lucky. I mean – you know, I mean, Millie calls me from the car. Says you got just you pulled one out. You know, like there's no <laughs> doubt. Like, like the, you know, because she's like, why'd you bet the Eagles? Like, and she was right. Like, why'd you? Because I said my numbers supported it, right? You know that that wasn't really smart. Okay, it wasn't. You know, now it doesn't look good. You know, and I'm trying to get the game to go to overtime. I'm thinking if we kick the field goal, of course the Redskins defense melts at the end, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to cover this thing. And then you get, the, you get the cheap touchdown late to cover. I mean, it, you know, sometimes you're just lucky.
1: No, it's true. No doubt about it. We'll be talking a lot about that Eagles-Cowboys game. And how about the Houston Texans? They take control of the AFC South by beating the Titans 24-21. to Titans haven't won the division since 08. Carlos Hyde ran for 104 yards and a touchdown. And Houston comes up big here. Everyone was favoring the Titans. It felt like Mike, but Houston, they wrestle control back. You know, and, and I
2: thought this game was a lot closer than probably it should have been. Watson's two touchdowns in the red zone is really bad. I mean, the one touchdown, I think he thought the receiver was going to come back for the ball. He never did. That was a horrible interception. And then the other one, which it violates football 101. You never throw the ball low over the middle of the defense. Like, never. You just don't do that. And, you know, even though that pass, you know, you fake that pass and you try to throw it in there. There's too many bodies in between the receiver and the quarterback. That gets intercepted. He throws two touchdowns, two interceptions in the end zone, basically and they still win the game. Because I'm telling you, this Texan team, when they have Will Fuller on the field, they're dynamic. And Will Fuller sets up everybody else. He's the the spot-up three-point shooter that everybody has to defend, and it makes Hopkins better. What, Hopkins at six for 119? You know, it makes Kenny Stills better, it makes Watson better, and it makes Carlos Hyde better. You know, and I think Tennessee's a nice story. I think Tannehill's done a remarkable job. They just didn't have enough to get the job done. I mean, this A.J. Brown kid that the Titans have has been remarkable. I mean, he's making plays left and right down the field. They found some skill players in, in, in Tennessee
1: because of Tannehill. And say this for Tennessee, Ryan Suckup, one of six since being activated off injured reserve for the Titans. They already ranked last in the NFL in field goal percentage, as we've talked about often. Special teams, when they're that dreadful, I mean, that is an absolute killer. You know,
2: here's where I think this is where we, we don't ever talk about this or make enough of this. But turnovers versus missed field goals, weeks 11 through 14. Isaac sent me this, and it's really powerful stuff, right? There's been 37 drives started with a missed field goal or a blocked field goal. Ten of those drives resulted in a touchdown. That's a 10-point swing. Seven of those drives resulted in a field goal. Six-point swing. The other seven resulted in a fumble, turnover on downs, and interception. Fifteen of the 17 scores that resulted from missed field goals were by winning teams. Over 88%. Now... 73 drives started with an interception of a fumble. 44 of those drives resulted in a touchdown. 28 was field goals. 46 of those scores resulted from turnovers whereby winning teams only 63%. So the point here is you get a missed field goal, you convert it, you've got an 88% chance of winning as opposed to 63 if you do it off an interception or fumble. That's how valuable missed field goals are. 88 versus
1: 63. Think about that, A.D., Yeah, that's a significant number, man. That's crazy. And another number for you, one more before we close the book on this game. Houston looking for their fourth AFC South title in six years under Coach Bill O'Brien. Done a nice job there, hasn't he?
2: And everybody wants to fire him every year. Like, he's on, like, I saw Lockham Four had him on his hot seat. He's going to get fired. He's like, he's not getting fired. Like, the owner fired Rick Smith, the owner basically fired the guy they brought in uh, as the general manager. Brian Gain, they fire Brian Gain. Like They're going with Billy O'Brien. He's got Jack Easterby down there. They're building a team. I mean, they're actually doing – they're not consistent, right? They're not consistent. Part of the problem is that goddamn Will Fuller. Like, I don't know what the hell he's doing.
1: Like, at some point, Will, you can't be hurt all the time. you got to stay on the field. No question about it. And Houston now looks in pretty good shape. And here's the topic that I can't wait to discuss here on the Shuffle, which is Jameis Winston. As we move to the fact, the Bucks beat the Lions 30-17. Jameis Winston, you could call him almost famous Jameis. He became the first player in NFL history to throw for 450 yards in consecutive games. He threw three touchdowns the first half, four overall. A career-high 458 yards passing one week after throwing for 456. But even though both Tampa and Detroit will not reach their goals this season... Winston here making the most of his opportunity to try to get a new contract when his deal expires following the season. We've talked about it at length here, Mike. He's a turnover machine. I think there's probably some character issues. But some of these numbers he puts up are crazy. What would you do? You're the GM of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
2: I mean, I watched him today because I, I went, uh, you know, on the pod. I said, take Tampa. And, and my buddy Bill said, you, "You, why would you do that? Like, you know, you Winston, you got, you're got going against your own, your own theory. I mean, it was too obvious in this one. Like, the Lions... Are basically they just want you to throw the ball on them at at nauseum. I mean, if you need a 124 quarterback rating and you need four touchdowns, go visit Detroit. You're going to get it right now. (laughs) Just take a plane, go up there. Matt Patricia will play nice, soft cover two. Will play cover one. You want a high school defense? We got that for you. Don't worry. Come on, come on up here. We're (laughs) slow as shit too. Feel free. Come on up here. Third and twenty, no problem. You can convert it. Hell, you don't want to run the ball at all. Shit, come up here and throw it 42 times. We don't have a problem. Crowd noise, now big deal, no big deal. You can do it i mean it's the greatest thing at all it made it, it made i mean when you make mvp mitch look good seriously when you make mvp mitch look good you you, you something's going on today i'm watching winston because i've invested i invested my recommendation in him and i'm thinking you know i think if you cleaned it up a little bit if there was more attention to detail you almost have to pay him like i've gone 360 on this guy i, I actually think going 360 is the purest way to reach the right decision. <laughs> Because I think you got to you got to fall in love, you fall out of love, and then you fall back in love. Maybe that's what Elizabeth Turner and Richard Burton were doing all that time. You know, they were going 360 on this shit, you know? Right, Liz Taylor, Butterfield 8. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I love it. You could do it. You know, like, I'm thinking, like, maybe I just got to fall – you know, like, I got to figure this out because, like, where am I going to get somebody better than him? And if I could just cut down – and some of these turnovers, in fairness to Jameis, are not always on him. He threw one early in the game. He threw one early in the game. There's no doubt. I'm just thinking you're going to have to live with him. I think at some point you're just going to say, you know what, he's going to have some, and we got to clean him up. But, I mean, he makes too many plays. I mean, Brett Perryman is now the receiver that the Ravens thought he was going to be.
1: So you're going to pay this guy like $20 million a year, even though you're not fully confident in his his ability. What am I going to do? Where am I going? Where am I getting somebody else? Right. You know, where am I going? I mean,
2: he's better than Mariota. I mean, Mariota can't do half this shit. Right. Where am I going? Like, I got to do it, and, and I know he did it against a shitty team, you know, in Detroit, and, and, and I just wouldn't even look at the tape, but to me, for them to only be a three-and-a-half-point favorite up in Detroit, like, how is Detroit going to get any yards? How are they going to do anything? I mean, David Blau threw for 260. He had two interceptions. One, I think, was a pick six, but, I mean, they got no running game. I mean, Detroit's actually gotten. detroits leading receiver is Danny Amendola. I mean, Galladay couldn't make a play. Marvin Jones is on IR. You talk about going from good to bad instead of good to great. I mean, Detroit. Now, I don't think they're going to fire Matt Patricia, but if you're a Lions fan, you can't feel good about the future of your franchise.
1: No, they're hoping to at least turn things in a positive direction. Instead, it's been a regression. Just been a miserable season for them. I mean, but you got to don't you agree? You have to pay Jameis. I think so too, Mike. It's just, it's one of those that I would pay. Maybe it's kind of like golf. Like I pay it, but I have serious reservations doing it. But it does come down to what's the alternative? Are you going to draft a guy? No. I mean, when I looked at Tampa Bay, I go, they're actually a 500 team, which is crazy. If you'd said to me like, oh, they're probably like six and 10 this year. No, they're actually, they could be a 500 team. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what else to
2: do. Like, I, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't really want to pay him. I don't want to do a long term deal with them. There's no way I'm doing. Long- I mean, I would franchise him probably one more year and draft one. I would do the same thing I would do with Tannehill. Franchise him, play him one more year, have a ridiculously high cap number, and then try to draft somebody.
1: That's what I was gonna say. I don't want to give him like fifty million guaranteed, right? Six, seven year deal, something absurd. Like, then I'm gonna have a heart attack. But if you could, yeah. And he's not going to, I don't think he'd agree to like a three-year deal. So that's not a bad idea. If you're franchise, I mean, all right, well, fine. Let's figure this out one more year and we'll do what we can. Yeah. I don't know. All right. When we come back, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf? Who's afraid of the San Francisco 49ers? They lose a heartbreaker to the Falcons while the Seahawks pick up the win against the Panthers. Mike and I will tell you what that means to the NFC West Next.
0: Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE, that's code SHUFFLE, for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's say this
1: for the Atlanta Falcons. Are they trying to win one here for the coach instead of, you know, letting the season slip away? Matt Ryan teaming up with Julio Jones. Five-yard pass ruled a touchdown after a replay reversal with just two seconds left. And the San Francisco 49ers, who may actually be the best team in the NFC, now the five seed. They still clinched their first playoff burst since a 2013 run to the NFC Championship game. But tied with Seattle at an 11-3 and record as Atlanta steps up big time. Can you make heads or tails of this division, the NFC West, Mike? Because I thought it was San Francisco's to lose, but now Seattle's caught them, and maybe they're going to be the ones that win it.
2: You know, I thought it was, too. I, I thought Atlanta would cover. I really did. I said it on VEASAN today. I thought Atlanta would cover, but I didn't think San Francisco would lose the game. And, and I think San Francisco's got a fourth and one. I think, I think Kyle, you know, how big is Kyle not taking the tie against Seattle look right now? That loss as opposed to a tie looks different, you know. So, you know, you got the two-minute warning. He comes out. He's got third and four. Garoppolo throws a short pass to Kittle for basically one yard. He fumbles. It's recovered. But Kittle runs out of bounds, so they go back. Atlanta calls timeout. Now it's fourth and one, and you're up by two. You got to take the field goal there, right? Now, most people are saying he should have gone for fourth and one, right? But if you don't make it a four-point score, and they go down and just make it – but if you got a really good defense – you got to take the points, right? And Atlanta used two timeouts. They only have one timeout. They got to go the length of the field, and they got to score a touchdown to beat
1: you. Don't you like those odds? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's 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 frustrating because when you're trying to play the odds, you're trying to do the right thing, and if it, it blows up on you, people second guess you. But I think you're right when you kind of play the math on this one. People look at the analytics now in football. That would be quote unquote the smart play. No, I think it's the definite smart play. I'm going to go up. I'm up two. I go up five.
2: Okay, I know I get beat by a touchdown, but I got a really good defense. I got a really good pass rush, right? I got to keep them out of the end zone. And if I can keep them out of the end zone, I'm going to win the game. If I go for it and don't get it, they can beat me on a long field goal. Do I take that? What are my odds? Like, I I, I just think to me it's easy to say go for it, but it's not easy. you know. Now, maybe you could say, hey, look, you're a really good run team, fourth and one, why not go for it? I, I get that, but – I think at some point you got to put the onus on where you think your strength of your team is, and the strength of your team should be your defense. Now, I realize that they've missing a lot of defensive players, but I question what he did against Seattle not taking the tie. I don't think I question this. I think this is the right play. It's a traditional play, and it offends the analytical people to no end. But I do think it's the right play. I really do. Put the onus on your defense. Let them rush the passer. Let them create pass rush and see if we can
1: take them out of the game. I mentioned this stat partly to give George Kittle some props. He surpasses Mike Ditka for the most receiving yards by tight end in his first three seasons in NFL history, 2,774. But I also mentioned just because I wanted to get Ditka in the show. Do you have a Ditka story for me? You know, I don't I've never been really been around Dicta very much, you know. I'm sure you
2: probably saw him more at ESPN. I bet you have a few.
1: But to say, loved his stogie, didn't want to be bothered, nice enough man. It, it was interesting though. He was one of those guys, he seemed relatively sedate off air, and then on air he would get a little more fired up. But I think towards the end you could tell like there just there wasn't much left in the tank. Like I think Iron Mike yeah. was now just soft Mike, you know what I mean?
2: I think we lose our competitive stamina. That's what makes some of these guys like Belichick, Nick Saban. I mean, it makes them their competitive stamina really excels, and I think sometimes guys lose it. I I don't think I think Mike was like a lot of guys on ESPN. I think Mike was mailing it in at times.
1: Yeah, especially towards the end. There's no doubt about it. A team that's not mailing it in, the Seattle Seahawks. They knock off the Panthers thirty to twenty four, and say this for the Seahawks: since 2012, they are fifty six and zero when they lead by four more points at halftime. That's including the playoffs, 56-0. and If they have a lead in the second half, Pete Carroll says, listen, we are not relinquishing this game. And despite the fact Christian McCaffrey was great once again, it's Russell Wilson and company that come up huge again. Russell was solid, 20-26, to took what the defense gave him, and Seattle now appears to be in the driver's seat. They've got the tiebreaker over San Francisco because they beat them, and they finish up the season against the Niners. Do you like Seattle now, Mike, maybe a little more than San Francisco?
2: Uh, You know, I think San Francisco is wounded and I think it's the best time to catch him. I love Russell Wilson. Look, I I had Seattle all day today. I turned the line in at six. I think the line was somewhere between five and a half. I hope people who listen to me got the five and a half line. I'm going to count it as a tie for me at six in, in my overall pool. I, I thought I had this one in the bag. When you're up 30 to 10, you're feeling pretty confident. I mean, I actually was playing with Dominic. I was so confident on this game, you know?
1: Your grandson.
2: Yeah, yeah I was playing with trucks, you know? It's like, okay. But then, then I got then I look up, and his mother says, what happened? And I said, well, I'm going to push on Seattle. So I thought I was going to push on Seattle. I was going to lose Philadelphia, and then I was going to win Tampa. I mean, that, that Tampa game was in trouble, too, for a while, until Blau threw me a pick six. So I'm thinking, oh, shit, I'm having a horrible day here. And then the next thing you know, I go 3-0-1. So I mean, not that I'm bragging, but, I mean, the reality of it is, is this was the one I thought I had in the bag. I thought I had this one in the bag, and I, and I push on it. It's just, look, they dominated the game. They ran the ball. I mean, Carolina's got a lot of work to do. And Kyle Allen, obviously, is not their answer at quarterback. And, you know, they just don't have enough. Defensively, I think it's probably been the biggest disappointment. When you give up 154 yards rushing at home, four yards a carry, with only a long of 23, with only a long – wow. that means you're taking a lot of body punches. You know, you're getting a lot of body punches, and, and you're not really – but I love Seattle's energy. I love the way they play. They, I knew they would bounce back. I, they, have that, they have that resiliency in them. I knew they would bounce back. I hope Bobby Wagner's not hurt too bad. I really do. I, I saw he went down. I never got to see if he where his injury was. I just hope he's not hurt too bad.
1: Do you have uh, Wilson for MVP? You're still going with Lamar Jackson.
2: No, I think this is over with. I mean, tonight, you know, it's funny. I've been watching this game here, Buffalo, and let me give you an update here. Yeah, Buffalo-Pittsburgh defensive battle. It's 10-7. Pittsburgh's winning. But, you know, we're talking about Josh Allen, and nobody's talked about how – the bills picked josh allen over and traded up to get him over lamar like seriously oh, yeah. i mean like it's like we're not even having this conversation baker mayfield loses today against arizona we don't, they don't have that conversation you know he the the browns picked baker over lamar lamar's going to be the mvp just so we get it ready to rock it ready to go like we could keep saying he's a receiver nobody said josh allen was a receiver of course josh allen's not a quarterback either he's an athlete playing quarterback he's not a quarterback right and this is the problem with Buffalo. You know, anytime they play against a good passing team, a good a team that understands how to play pass defense and conceptually pass defense, they can't handle it. So but we we don't talk about that. It's like Lamar's like out there, You know he's the fifth quarterback picked in a draft that he's going to be the MVP.
1: Yeah, watching Josh Allen tonight, Mike, he's like two to one touchdown to pick ratio, 17 to eight. He does have eight rushing touchdowns. had a rushing touchdown tonight. And they made the point he's kind of like a fullback out of the backfield. But I'm with you. I think, you know, my quarterback doesn't have to be my best player, but I have to believe in him. And I think when I look at Buffalo, I go, Hey, great defense, well coached. Uh, if they could run the ball, okay, but, but their quarterback is not going to win them games come playoff time.
2: No. I don't think they are. You know, I don't think they're going to win them games and I, and I think that's the real issue here. You know, and if whenever they've played a good team this year, whether it's been New England, whether it's been Baltimore, I mean, I know they lost to Cleveland You know, so whenever they – and Philadelphia beat them. Those four teams that they lost to is because Josh Allen can't make plays in a passing game. That's a fact. Meanwhile, the Duckster, my man the Duckster, he can make a few in the passing game.
1: Nice. The Duckster knows how to do it, you know. Yeah, he's playing a good defense tonight, but so far Pittsburgh is hanging in there.
2: It's third and two. Just before we get off that, it's third and two. Buffalo has the ball at Pittsburgh's 10-yard line, and Josh Allen takes off and runs and gets a first down. So just as we said, athlete – Makes plays as an athlete. This is, you know, this is what he's going to do. You're not going to win like this in the playoff. You're going to have to throw the ball. But nobody sits there and says Josh Allen's got to throw the ball. We always say it about Lamar. But we never really said about Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Buffalo, big game against New England, of course, looming coming up. One more game before we'll get to our awards. Aaron Jones runs for two. Devontae Adams got another. The Packers beat the Bears, the 200th edition of the NFL's oldest rivalry. The Packers sweep the regular season series for the 15th time in the last 26 seasons, seventh time in the last 11 seasons. They knocked off the Bears 10 3 in the opener. You've said this before, Mike, about Green Bay. Yeah, they got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they got some flashy weapons, but you're not crazy crazy about their defense so I feel like when you look at their 11 and 3 record you might think that's a little bit of fool's gold
2: all right so you know like like I thought he would struggle because look the the one thing the the Packers can do well defensively is rush the passer right and they were going to be problems for Mitchell because he's got to play faster and whenever he has to play faster it's it's really not going to work but what I thought after the game was here's my man Mitchell right like Nagy has done everything in his power to kiss this guy's ass like he's never thrown him under the bus once right and there's been more opportunity to throw this asshole under a bus every time right like okay like you could throw him under a bus like a thousand times and Nagy stood there stow to toe you know blood brothers you know against the wind you know united forever right so here's mitchell how disruptive was their pass rush this is Mitchell's quote. I felt like they were pretty good. They had a really good front. I felt like our O-line played pretty really well. I thought we could have taken more pressure off them by moving the pocket a little more and me getting out. But, yeah, they done a great job all that all year long, and that's what they're ha- hang their hat on. They did it today. We just got to continue to find ways to take pressure off our O-line with a good pass rush like that. Continue to mix it up, whether it's with screens, running it, draws. All that kind of stuff helps. But, yeah, credit them. They're a good defense. So you're talking about the sign you could have helped the offensive line? Yeah, could have done a lot more on design. <laughs>
1: Think about that. It's just, it kind of reads like the onion, like one of those headlines where it's like, you know, they're, they're kind of just talking around the subject. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, seriously, like you're going to throw your coach
2: under the bus after, after what he's done for you? Like, look, why don't you just stay there toe to toe and like, okay, I mean, I need to move around. I need to run. You know, we didn't make enough plays today. We fell short, but we're getting better. Like I mean at the end of the day really this is what this is what you're going to come up with you had to throw it I think he threw it like 54 times yeah he still averaged like 5/4 a pass attempt I mean you know like
1: but in the biggest game of the year he was 29 of 53 for 348 one touchdown two picks a 65 passer rating And
2: his qbr was like 28 like his qbr which is typical for him it's about a 28 right and so like seriously and thank god pace is madly in love with them because any other human being that has eyes would dump them like anybody would say okay anytime you play a good team you can't play like at some point that now this one is easier than to me than winston because winston's really never always about the level of comp winston's about he'll make plays against good teams too winston's about level of concentration not level of comp trubisky's about if i can play against a bad team i'll look good if i can play against a good team i'm not going to look good I'm just not gonna look good against good teams so just you got to deal with it right you know i need a fifth place schedule please
1: and i like my 130 million secure you know <laughs> it's almost like winston is inconsistent but it has flashes of greatness whereas Trubisky is consistent in the fact he is great against bad teams, poor against good teams.
2: Exactly. And it's really why when when Belichick and I, when we decided to put together a grading system, when we first were in Cleveland together, and we were tired, both of us, and we came from different points of this. And I think they – In the documentary, uh, they asked me a lot of questions about the grading system. They didn't air any of them, you know, and I told them I would give them the piece of paper that I have here in my office. Yeah, why didn't they air that? That's brutal. Uh, You know, I told them that I would give it to them, and they didn't. They didn't go down that way. But the one thing we really worked hard on was to understand we don't want to argue about something that we all agree on. We want to argue specifically about something about a prediction. So, for example, like if you think Mitchell Trubisky Is going to overcome his inability to play against better level of comp you might give him a six if I think he won't I'm gonna give him a four okay so the six and the four grade are exactly the same grade okay you could say well how is that well the four says I predict he won't do it the six says I predict he will but we're not arguing about let's say hands you know the guy has inconsistent hands I'm saying at six he's gonna overcome the inconsistent hands I'm saying at four, he's not, right? So we're not arguing about whether he has good hands or not. We're arguing about whether he's going to overcome his inconsistencies. Jared Goff, I say he's a four in terms of coming over his lack of innate toughness in the pocket. People that love him give him a six, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not debating it. We're Now we're p- predicting it. You follow me? I got you. And I think that's where you can see it. And the people that send me the text after he beats somebody, they're sitting there, you know, oh, see Mitchell today against Detroit. Yeah, I saw him against Detroit. I mean, like seriously, anybody can throw the ball against Detroit. Anybody can. Put David Blau on Tampa, and he probably would have had 400 yards.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can predict that. Speaking of prediction. Coming up after the break, we'll give it our weekly awards and how about my man 3919 and 1 Mike was against the spread going into week 15 as you may have heard earlier, he's doing even better now. We'll talk about it next. All right, I'm beating you right now because we are watching Buffalo and Pittsburgh as we're recording the GM Shuffle right now. By the way, give out the GM Shuffle. Give us some love. Follow us on Instagram at the GM Shuffle and also on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe and rate and review. I read all the reviews, appreciate all the feedback. Uh, As far as Pittsburgh and Buffalo is concerned, Mike, 10-all right now, a tight defensive battle.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the under was in play here tonight. The Ducks threw another pick to, to White. You know, he's now he's in a third and 15. I, you know, this is the points are going to be hard to come by because both quarterbacks are just not consistent enough in terms of throwing the ball. And, and these two teams can play past defense and they're really fast on defense. So all those checkdowns that they try to throw, these teams rally to them and make plays.
1: Well, it certainly has been a, a challenging game to watch if you like offensive football. But speaking of challenges, you seem to figure out a formula here when it comes to gambling. 39-19-1 going in, you are now 43-19-2. It's crazy. It's insane. I mean, I've been really, look, I, as Millie would say, I got lucky as
2: shit today with the, the Eagles. I mean, to count that as a win. But then I got unlucky with Seattle. Like, I feel like I should have won Seattle. So, like, I feel like I was three and one for the day, but I'm not, not going to take a loss when I don't have to take one. But, you know, forty three, nineteen, and 2 I'll take it. I mean, Billy Walters would like to have that. And he's in my, he's the world's greatest gambler. I think the best thing is, again, I'll say this is what I've been able to do with the with the power rankings and then use them to kind of like to scale it. Like I would have my power rankings today would have said take the Brownies, you know, because they should have been a higher favorite, but there was always, I don't trust the Browns, you know, I don't trust them. Like like everybody in the world, everybody, you know, Josh Applebaum on VEASAN was coming out with Patrick and not that Patrick was with this because Patrick's the same way I am on this, is like we're talking about all oh, the Sharps are in on the Chargers. Like there's like this secret hush money coming in you almost feel like it's like you know maxwell smart going through two layers to bring the money in right there's a ton of sharp money coming in on the chargers they won't move the line the, the books won't move the line the sharps moving on and i'm thinking like i got minnesota's a five point favorite like it like the Chargers, just because they beat shitty Jacksonville doesn't mean they're any good. And we know the place is going to be filled with Vikings fans, right? So that's where I think it gets kind of confusing is when you get into this. Sh- when, when the fans hear the Sharp money, they don't know. They say, oh, if the Sharps are betting it, if these guys are betting it, if if you know, if Joe Pesci's betting it over there in the Irishman. Did I tell you what <laughs> I did last week? Millie went away. You went back and watched all the Pesci scenes I watched again. every Pesci scene again. It was unbelievable. Incredible. It, he's incredible. He's going to get nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He should win it. It's like it's not even close. Like I just give him the award. Like the guy was incredible. Like I'd like to have lunch with that guy. Well, especially because you could t- talk about music with him, Frankie Valli, all that stuff. Oh, I know. And then I think he's like you know he's still like he's in a band or something. I think he plays, doesn't he? Yeah, he still sings. That's what he's been doing the last twenty years: playing golf and singing. It's incredible. I mean, like that guy, is just to think he was Harry, right? <laughs> it's true he was harry harry that's right from the wet bandits he was <laughs> one of the alone. wet bandits
1: it's amazing the journey that they take but you, you you love the salad scene more For somebody who hasn't watched the irishman yet watch the salad scene that's the one that
2: you love. the salad scene and then the cereal scene in the morning you know and then he, he asked the class how'd you sleep you know like <laughs> nobody ever has to ask me how i sleep because i could tell you the answer is yeah. good like God day, it's good
1: all right, uh, let's get to the teams who are going to make the playoffs. It's it's getting a little nitty-gritty here. So New England, Baltimore, KC, Houston now in the driver's seat in the AFC. I'm with you on all those teams, and I agree with you on the wild cards. Buffalo and Pittsburgh, it looks like Tennessee is going to be outside looking in. So that means the team is playing right now in Sunday Night Football. We have them making it as the 5 and 6 seeds. If Buffalo wins tonight, by the way, they're in. This would be in Tennessee, despite a good story from Ryan Tannehill, they're not going to make it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's I think Buffalo. If Buffalo can find a way to manufacture any offense, this will be this will be an interesting game. If they got to do it all over again, because both these teams don't have enough offense to go to to do it all over again, they're going to have to play the same game over again. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they don't have a right or a left hand. They just have a right hand. Now you could say, well, Josh Allen will get hot. I, I don't see that. I don't see him getting hot because he doesn't control the football. But, uh, you know, and then they got to play New England next week on Saturday, which will be a great day. Saturday's going to be a great
1: day of football. Yeah, triple header of football on Saturday, and all those games are good games. Um, as far as the NFC is concerned, San Francisco, New Orleans, Green Bay, Dallas, Seattle, Minnesota. I'll disagree with you. I think the Eagles pull off the victory, and they will represent the NFC East. But both of us agree the Rams are done.
2: The Rams are done. I mean, they're finoc. They're a fraud. <laughs> you know, they're done. You know, I watched Donnie Brasco the other day, too. That was good.
1: Oh, Joseph DiPistone is incredible.
2: I watched that again, because I, I needed to brush up on that. The Fanuc was a good line. Uh, they're, they're a Fanuc. I mean, there's no doubt. They're done. They're out of it.
1: Well, how about the fact that when, when it's Paul Giamatti, he goes, what's Fugazi yeah. <laughs> And Johnny Depp starts explaining. because like, Raquel Welch is one great piece of, oh, uh, forget about it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the different connotations to forget about. It's unbelievable. See, now, the flow
2: there, like, I thought... The, to me, The Irishman was so good in the sense that there was the unspoken word, and I think the unspoken word really made that movie. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, that first scene where, where, where when Depp tells to forget the look on John, on Pacino's face. He was in all five boroughs. I'm known. Forget about it. <laughs> you ask anybody <laughs> so about Lefty from Mulberry Street. <laughs> it's so good. So good. <laughs> um, okay time now for the Lombardi Awards. On the Lamb. We haven't talked a lot about this team. Oakland Raiders are done. They had a nice little season. Six and eight, they're done. But this is a good one for you. On the Lamb, you got Derek Carr. Oakland needs a new quarterback. I, I just think Carr does some really dumb
2: things. Last, you know, he throws the ball out of bounds today on the on the last-minute drive. He stops the clock. He doesn't stay in bounds. He does some really dumb things. I mean, the Raiders are 6-8. Like, and thank God Al wasn't alive to see the presentation, the final game at Oakland. Because there have been a lot of heads rolling today. There would be a lot of Fugazi today. You know, yep. there, there would be a lot of problems. And I, and I think that, you know, the Raiders, to me, they're, we know they're bad on defense. But today, you know, they got a 16 to 3 lead against the Jacksonville team who's just trying to quit. But Gardner Minshew wouldn't let the team quit. He kind of hung him in there. He kept playing. But at some point, you know, Gruden's sitting there. You're paying him $100 million a year. You're paying him $10 million a year. W- when's it get better? Like, and I just got a feeling that it's going to come on Carr. Like, they got to get better than Carr. Like, Carr isn't who he is. And I think some they got to get a court. He's not Rich Gannon. He's not that tough guy. You know, he bails him. You know, he doesn't do enough good things. And if they can't run the ball, I mean, they, they barely punted today,
1: and they couldn't get the ball into the end zone. What was he doing in hard knocks you and I were making fun of? Was he talking about he was nervous when he proposed or some nonsense like that? Yeah, yeah exactly, right.
2: yeah. And, I mean, I, I, that still resonates with me. Like, I still feel like that's, like, I just don't see him as an innate tough guy. And we also, when you came on Visa this, on Saturday, which we really appreciate. Of course. Was we talked about i wanted to tell you the story about you were we were talking about george will you had the great line about george will where football is oh yeah how do you say that that what's that line
1: yeah we george george will who is a lifelong baseball lover does not like football said football combines the worst the two worst elements of the 20th century violence and committee meetings <laughs> yeah so anyway so i saw george
2: will on this is back when i was at the 49ers i saw him on a phil donahue show and i listened to him and i read one of his books and i don't know how oh i oh i called this bookstore in in washington to order one of his books this is i should have i should have figured this out myself this is pre amazon days yeah and i and i'm not political at all i just thought he was like an amazing writer and i wanted to read his writing so i'm not like I'm not like, hey, I'm a staunch Republican, and I want to read what Will says from the complete right. Right, that's not me. You know, I mean, if anything, I'm a, I'm a, I'm what they used to call a Southern Democrat. I'm right in the middle. I like, I, I, like to be perfectly centered. You know, I don't want to go far left, far right. But anyway, so I call this bookstore
1: up. Wait, Southern Democrats. You're kind of like Jimmy Carter, maybe.
2: Yeah, that's what they used to. There used to be a term called the Southern Democrat. It was somebody who was centered in the middle. There's a, like, you know, it was maybe conservative on on financial issues, liberal on social issues. You know, however it is yeah, right yeah, yeah. so and that you know like for me i don't have any right to have a tell a woman what she can do like I, that's not that's not my job i don't know that right yeah right so anyway i call this bookstore in in washington and i ask him if i can get this book because it was the, that somebody told me it was the only bookstore that had it so the bookstore ends up telling george will that this guy from the 49ers wants his book and i'm in oklahoma city and I get a phone call, like the secretary says, George Will called you today. I'm like, get out of here. Stop lying to me. <laughs> I'm in Oklahoma <laughs> yeah. City. I'm doing, I'm doing Oklahoma State, right? He said, George Will called you today. He wants you to call him back. Get out of here, right? So I called George Will's office back. Oh, he gets on the phone. Oh, thank you very much. I'll sign that book for you. I'm really honored you did that. What a, what an incredible guy. He said, if you're ever in Washington, we'll go out to lunch. Well, wow. Yeah, sure. Just so happens like, like a month later, there was an All-Star game in Washington that week. So I, I flew down to Washington to watch the All-Star game to go back. He took me to lunch. <laughs> he took me to lunch. And and it was like, great. I sat there and lunch at this place, and it was unbelievable. It was like, great. I listened to him. He talked about a bunch of things. And every now and then, you know, we would keep in touch periodically through the years. So that one year, we're playing the Redskins back in Washington. And I was going to go to this. It was the all-time weekend for me. I I went back to Washington, and I went to Hickory Hill to spend a day with Ethel Kennedy because she invited me over, gave me a tour of the property. That was incredible. And then George Will came to practice. So George Will and his son, Jonathan, who I got autographs for. Now, Jonathan has Dow syndrome, and he loved Joe Montana. So when, when Will sent me those books, I got him an autographed Joe Montana jersey. Oh,
1: that's really So
2: cool. I got Jonathan there, who's, you know, uh, and now he's like, I want to say jonathan's like 28 years old at this time now he worked for the washington nationals in baseball you know he's he has his own life you know and so he's on the field and al's at the practice and al sees george will over there and he what's he doing here and i'm like i, I invited him to practice oh just tell him to stay for a second i got a few things i got to straighten out with him <laughs> <laughs> so so like this is like none of the players knew who george will was except warren Sapp. warren Sapp comes over to will and says mr will i read you i think you're you know i, I agree with some of the stuff you say i think you're right and he shakes his hand leaves you know i mean Sapp was like and then al comes over and then he takes will off to the side and they start having a conversation about i don't know what but, I, you know, and then that was it. And I was like, he's a pretty good guy.
1: I'm amazed that Warren Sapp is, like, that well-read
2: that he knew George Will's work. It was unbelievable, right? I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, and, and he's such a nice man. I mean, Will was such a nice man that, you know, he was, like, just – and he genuinely only came because Jonathan, his son, really likes football. It was great. And now oh, oh. – He's a pretty good guy. <laughs> that story's great. I love it. I would not be happy watching that Raider team today.
1: There'd be some heads rolling. Trust could, me on this one. I can imagine. Well, Jerry Jones is feeling good for a day. The Fred Palermo Award, best game plan going into the week, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah,
2: we called it. I mean, I thought I thought they would. You know, I mean, it's it's about players, not plays. Whenever it's about players, not plays, they're pretty good. Buffalo's up 17 to 10 with about seven minutes to go as we
1: record this. KGB Award, the team that got duped. The Niners losing in a last-second play.
2: You can't lose like that. A good team's got to beat that team. Now you're going to go back to Philadelphia. You're going to play a bad team in Philly, or you're going to play a good team in Dallas. I mean, hey, you could go to Dallas and lose. If Dallas gets it going, you want Philly to win, because I don't think Philly has enough enough juice in them to beat anybody. I mean, look, think about Philly now. They They, to the wire it takes them to beat the bad New York Giant teams. And then to the wire, it takes them to beat a bad Washington Redskins team. Like, I don't know how much juice they have in them to beat any good team. They can beat some bad teams.
1: I don't know if they can beat good teams. Yeah. That lost the Dolphins still it's shocking to me. It's so horrible. It's disgraceful. Why did we win? Why did we lose? Uh, the Cowboys win because they utilize Zeke in the offense, which is how he began the GM shuffle this week. And the Rams lost because Jared Goff can't handle the heat.
2: He can't handle the heat. I mean, it's as simple as that. At some point, you know, if if you're going to invest in Jared Goff like you did, you're going to have to spend all your draft picks on offensive line. you've got to build the greatest offensive line in of football. Because if you don't have a pass protection offensive line, because remember this what I've always said about Goff. Once it becomes a drop back pass game and he has to throw the ball quickly, it's over. You're not winning.
1: Meantime, if you don't know now you know, speaking of Goff, the Rams are dead.
2: They're dead. I mean, there they go from Super Bowl. and Now they don't even get back. They don't even make. It's a typical Super Bowl syndrome. I mean, Sean McVay is going to have to have to handle some things and and really
1: reevaluate where he is. They make that trade for Jalen Ramsey, and now it's just like, yep, so much for that. Yeah. Now you just basically you're giving away. Uh, you know, you're going to be picking somewhere in the twenties, right? All right. So who is courageous? You go the Cowboys, putting up a big win against those Rams, and desperate of the Chicago Bears, a 500 team.
2: I mean, it's over with for Chicago. You know, maybe Mitchell will get Matt Nagy to sprint out, sprint right to let him do so he'll start calling (laughs) plays, you know. Maybe he'll start doing that. I don't know. I mean, I think – look, let's face it. I mean, I don't even think the Packers played their best game offensively. I mean, they had a receiver wide open early in the game, dropped the ball right between his arms. I mean, Rodgers made a couple great throws. But, look, I'm going to say this. Even at that game, I don't know if you saw this clip, but when you watch that game, the last play when they're doing the lateral – if the kid would have laddered it to the one side, more. Yeah. one more, it's a touchdown. They win, they get, Then they got to get the two-point play, but still, they had a chance.
1: I know. That play was unbelievable. If they would pulled it off against the Packers, I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. They didn't have a chance. Uh, last thought here, Colts and Saints. I think it's kind of an uh, uninspiring match, but only because the Colts are 6-7. and seven. Speaking of juice, they've lost juice late in the season, while the Saints are in the driver's seat right now at 10-3, and, and they're at home playing at the Superdome under the lights Monday night.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I I like the Colts and the points. I think the Colts will keep it close. But, look, the Saints just got a huge break with the Niners losing. You know, it kind of gives them a little bit starch in terms of the seeding, you know, because now Seattle's in first place in in there. So I I think that you'll see, especially Sean Payton's offense against a zone-concept team. If Indy doesn't play with more diversity on defense, I think it's hard. But I I would take the, the Colts and the points.
1: Where there's a George will, there's a way. Thanks for listening to the GM Shuffle.